Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Edward here. So for episode 156 this week, we're doing something a little bit different. I did team up with Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and she's a teacher by trade. That's what she does for a living. And so she thought it would be good to sit down and have kind of a conversation slash interview to talk about teaching games and how she and I specifically go about teaching games, be it in person or on our various channels. And so she thought that would be a cool conversation. And we're releasing this both simultaneously on the Heavy Cardboard feed as well as over on her uh, podcast, Beyond Solitaire. So if you haven't listened to her show, I highly recommend it. I think it's some really, really good conversations going on over there. So check that out. But otherwise, enjoy episode 156, Teaching Games. This is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and I'm here for a very special podcast this week because I have Edward Euler from Heavy Cardboard on here with me. How you doing, Edward? What's up? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, I have struggled waking up all day. You ever have those days to where, like, yeah. I don't care how long, like, you could have been up for 12 hours already, and you're still like, I can't wake up. That's how it's been up until about half an hour ago, and bing, I'm ready to do this. I'm excited. It's because you knew you're going to talk to me. Of Clearly, course. Clearly, that's it. Clearly. <laughs> so uh, we are talking today because well, we're both heavy game enthusiasts, obviously. Mm-hmm. In Although, the name. Indeed, yes. Uh, my uh, my red panda is actually chosen for its solitary nature. Really. Yeah, they're solitary animals. When I made Beyond Solitaire, I was looking for a a solitary animal that was cute. Checks that was out. Why I, I mean, red panda. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, I actually chose them too because they're so playful. Like, you know, those, uh, all those, all that footage of, you know, they're playing with a pumpkin or they're getting into something or you can give them a puzzle. You know, they're solitary, but they're still fun. And I kind of feel like that captures solo gaming at its finest. Well done. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. We, uh, we almost made a colossal, uh, a heavy mistake uh when we thought about going with weighted cardboard when the show first that was just one of those no we we chose right um yeah yeah definitely definitely uh but we also both have an interest in teaching board games and teaching them well through video we try to um we try to i i think (laughs) i don't know about you and i don't want to speak for you liz but i am by far my harshest critic and as soon as we're done recording a playthrough or i was like oh god that was so bad oh (laughs) i taught like i had so many pregnant pauses or i just i will start tearing apart the thing the mistakes that i made i feel like and yeah yeah. and 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 yeah, the the internet can be equally as harsh, but usually I, I'm far harsher on myself than 
than they are. I imagine you are too, right? Yeah, to be honest, one of the reasons I've been putting out fewer tutorials recently is partially from anxiety. Like every time I put a tutorial out, it's like I get at, I don't know, 13 minutes and 49 seconds. You messed this up. Or like, you know, I get comments on videos I made three years ago being like, uh, isn't the rule this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I traded that game. I have no clue. See, I, I used to, you. that used to like hurt, I guess is a good way to put it right. And I, yeah. I, I mean, I, you can ask Jess and anybody that knows me really well, I'm probably the most sensitive person you'll ever know, but I've learned that that is a compliment, not a critique. And here's why. The fact that A, they're watching that closely. True. And B, they took the time. They care enough. Not, maybe they're, maybe some percentage are rules lawyers and are like, oh, you, rah, rah, rah. yeah, but I like to think <laughs> that the majority of them were just like, hey, at 1349, or in my case, at 42 minutes and 17 seconds, or on a playthrough <laughs> at hour three hours, 42 minutes and nine seconds. You accident. You took one too many blue cubes, or X, Y, or Z. And I used to get really ruffled at that, but I was like, you know what? Thank you for taking the time. Do. But you know what's so funny? Like in my actual Latin classes. Okay, so because Latin is not a language that most people speak, you know, I did not train to become fluent in Latin the way that you would if you went to Spain or you went to Guatemala and you lived there for 10 years and you came back fluent in Spanish. So I actually screw up when I'm speaking Latin all the time, constantly. I make so many mistakes. Um, you know, grammar head me would be ashamed that I didn't put a subjunctive here or I messed up that ending or like, oh my God. And then I realize that my students have no clue for one and they will never know. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> And also, you know, I get better with time because I just jump in and make the mistakes. So it's interesting, you know, in my actual job that I get paid for, I'm completely unashamed of most errors that I make. Um, but in my hobby board game videos, I get very upset at mistakes that I make. I, I remember the very first video that I ever tried to make uh, as a like a tutorial. I, I was thinking like I had no idea what I was doing. I bought a, a cheap little Vixia. Um, web or a video camera that we still use here in the studio. And I was like, okay, I know dominant species front backwards, upside down in my sleep. I could teach this no problem. And I kid you, you not that it was like 94 takes. It took me <laughs> to get something that I know so well because every little hiccup, because I cared that much about it and then i learned how difficult editing is and then i realized i would much rather not edit and just get it right the first time and i have learned that i work better without a net i.e live and I, I do i make mistakes of course everybody does and but that's why preparation for me in this teaching i think is so important and why i Take it so seriously, I guess, is because attention detail. I mean, I'm a Marine by, by you know, by, by not trade, but I mean, I'm a Marine, whatever. And yeah. I, I just take it. To, and it is my career. It's my chosen job. Right. And so, yeah, I don't I mean, it, it is what I'm paid to do. And you pointed this out last week that. 
Yes. We're both career teachers. And I was like, what? You are? I mean, you teach for a living. And then I was like, <gasps> so do I. Oh, my God. Wow. I had no idea. Epiphany. That Right? You're essentially a, you were an unlicensed teacher. But guess what? A lot of teachers at private schools are, too. So Really? Interesting. Yeah, I didn't have to have a license to get my job down here. Um, I, I had one, but actually private school teachers do not have to have a teaching license. It's only public school ones, typically. So Joe and, Schmo off the street, theoretically, could be teaching your kids. Okay. Yes. Usually Joe Schmo went somewhere fancy so they can point to his resume and talk about how great it is he's teaching your kids. But that actually does not mean anything about teaching ability. Like I was an absolutely trash teacher the first time I went into a classroom because nobody really prepared me for it. Um, you know, I taught for the first time I was in grad school and they were like, oh yeah, we need to like find a reason to give you some money. Um, and I applied to teach Greek and I knew Greek fine. Uh, but I did not know that teaching a bunch of future ministers at the divinity school is going to be such a pain in the ass. Like they, I was like, y'all are paying to be here. Why aren't you doing your homework? Why is it so hard for you to memorize this chart? Like what the hell? And it turned out that guess what? Not everybody thinks the way that I think. And you know, people have different needs and they have different emotional needs and they need things presented in different ways. And they can't just go home and read the book and cry a lot and then come back and know the information, which is what I thought that everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> so i had to completely change everything like um you know th these were people who thought that greek was just like a like a little extra that they had to do in order to get to the real thing which is being a minister preaching in english and so i was like wait why don't we make this more relevant to them then and i made them after they got like some enough understanding of greek like these projects where they had to um you know look at controversial passages look at different translations of those passages do their own translation and then like reflect on how they would teach it to their congregation that? so that they would understand why they had to be there. And then it turned out that we all loved each other. It was great. But man, that first semester I was like, Oh, I'm a bad teacher. I don't know what to do. Why is everyone so frustrated with me? I'm so frustrated. And like, I had to really adjust my own perspective and think about what I felt about how people had been teaching me for so many years. That's fascinating. <laughs> I, I can't help but think of, and I, I, I sound like, like your typical jock thinking of it this way, but I can't help but think of coaches that have a certain style. And even though they might not have the players that fit that style, they teach their style. Whereas what you're telling me was you adapted. Your style wasn't working, so you adapted to the way your students, players in that analogy, um, need, and it made for a better product. You know, in the end result, everybody profited out of that. That's awesome. I think that's amazing. For me, I teach the way I learn, which, given what it is I do, I think that's the right way to go about doing this. But I, I think we'll talk about that more here in a little bit about how our styles and how there are different styles for different people. But I don't think, I don't think teaching any other way than the way you learn in this setting works well. Ooh, that's an interesting thought. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. 
I mean, I'm not convinced, but if it that's feels true that or not. way because the the thing that comes to mind for me, okay, is you know, I I assume you know Paul Grogan over at Gaming Rules, right? He tends yes. to yeah. teach games a lot at conventions. And the way he has learned mm -hmm. a teaching style is I'm going to teach you the base amount of rules to get you into the game and started so that I don't lose your attention because you're playing a demo at a convention. Yeah. So boom, 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 boom. It's got to be quick and we got to get going. I think that is amazing to be able to do that. And I hate that style of learning. Like that's not the way I learn and not what I how I want it presented to me. I agree. Actually, full disclosure, I cannot learn off of Paul Grogan's videos very well. And it's not that he's a bad teacher. It's that my brain does not I, I can't focus that way. There here for me. I'll give an uh, I'll give an example of something that was incredibly well done that I was like, nope. <laughs> and the hardest game I've ever taught was Feudum. And Ooh, yes, okay. I I it took me seventeen hours to prepare to teach that game, to record to record the teaching for that game. Seventeen hours to get my script together and the whole nine yards. When I was doing through that process, there was a incredibly good, well animated, just fantastic video that was 32 minutes long, perfectly edited, uh, how to play video. And I watched that and I'm watching it and I'm like, it is just 32 minutes of nonstop, just boom, information. And I was like, in one eye, out the other. And I was like, this is amazing. It's well presented. It's really done well. But I have no idea what the hell I just watched. And <laughs> so the way I have adapted, if you will, or the way that I have found is my niche or my what's natural to me, where I excel, I think, is teaching in the way that I like to learn games. And I'll be the first to admit that there are a lot of people out there that really don't like the way I teach games. They're like 48 minute long, you know, rules teaching. Really? Like, I don't, I don't want to sit through that. And that's okay. I'm not for everybody. I think the way Paul does it works really well. Just it's not for me. You know what I mean? And so. Actually, I completely know what you mean. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about this, so I'm just going to bump in here and ask. So I have noticed, so I do enjoy your videos, but they are indisputably long. They're oh, very long. Uh, un if you want to do like long. a full. <laughs> and I guess my question is, did you did you resist that format at first and then just realize that was who you were? Or have you always just kind of done what you felt like doing? You know, and also, how do you take feedback with a format like that? I'm just very curious about, like, how that works. Ah, uh, I, wow. I, okay, so I told you, I recorded that on my dining room table, um, the dominant species thing. And I did that as a one-off, just like I wasn't, this is before heavy cardboard existed. This was just Edward Euler doing that. And then from there, 
it went to, okay, the podcast exists. So we started, and this is a very long roundabout way of me answering that question. So the podcast (laughs) came to be. And then after a couple of years, people, I, I can't remember if somebody had said something or we were like, yeah, somebody had said, hey, why don't we, why don't you put this on YouTube? So, okay. And then YouTube's a video medium. And I was like, I mean, you could, I mean, there for a while I was putting the podcast up, just, you know, a static picture of the logo and just talking, you know, yeah. the, the, the putting the podcast up there. And then I was like, well, forget to do that. And we're playing these games. Why don't we just stream what it is we're playing? And that was down in the basement that, oh, those were horrible. A lot of lessons were learned there. And then I was like, well, I'm going to start teaching these games. I might as well. I'm one of the main game teachers in my group. I wasn't the only one, but I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then after that, then I was like, well, A, I get nervous before every stream. And nerves, when you're nervous, you tend to forget stuff. And so I was like, well, okay, I'm going to start jotting some things down. And then making notes. And then when I started making notes, then I realized, no, I need to make a whole outline. So I start, then I developed an entire outline for how to teach the game for me, for me to be able to basically follow along as I'm teaching the game. And then I was like, no, this is just, yeah, this is just my style. And for me, and what I have learned, the majority, and I'm not, I, I, I hesitate to say that all of y'all, because duh, but the majority of people that tend to like bigger, heavier, meatier games tend to want all the rules up front. They tend to want to know, okay, so I know this, even if they're not going to absorb 100% of that, because let's face it, over a, an hour-long rules teach at a game night, you still have questions throughout the game and everything, but you want to be able to at least theoretically be able to frame a, a, a strategy. And if you don't know all the rules, you can't really do that because, oh, well, if I'd known that, I wouldn't have done this. I hate that feeling. I don't want to ever give anybody that feeling right there. And so Ooh, yeah, I teach the way I want to learn. And it just, it, I teach the way that's natural to me. So it's always been a intuitive, natural way. However, the downside is it's long. It's very conversational in way in some ways. It's even though when we're streaming games and I'm teaching them on camera, I'm not really playing to the camera. That's why it's so mm-hmm. hard for me to teach to an empty room. I, I I've I've asked everybody that is a part of these streams hey y'all can just come in like after the teaching so you can show up later and across the board they're like no we want to be there plus it helps you know remind us of the rules this and that whatever but for me it's beneficial because i'm teaching to the people that are around the table so i teach the way i would when i'm off camera too and it's just it's conversational but it's it's long See, to me, that is fascinating because I teach to a camera because I'm basically explaining what I do when I'm by myself. There's a very different experience. And so I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret. I script nothing. You are all a my hero plays. of mine. <laughs> so all my playthroughs are just me 
sitting around and like sometimes I'll run something back because I'm like, oh, I don't like how I explain that. And I'll just go back and cut it out later. Like I'll just because like the other thing about solo, right, is you can just be like, OK, let me explain that in a better way. And like keep going. Well, not just that, but you also edit. And the fact that mine's live, I can't yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, my editing for me is just jump cutting and cutting out like the things that I did that sucked and then leaving in the things that were not sucky at least as far as I knew at the time. And then, and then it just like goes. And so, <laughs> so I think I can be a little bit more improvisational, right? Because I already know, like if I mess up, I can just clean it up later. It's not a big deal. So I just kind of free fall into whatever I'm doing. Um, so it's, yeah, no notes, no nothing. Like I just do it. But I mean, that's probably very inefficient in some ways. Because, like, planning well cuts time when you're doing the thing in real time. True. I, I mean, it, but... and it, I mean, yes, like, uh, like, okay, I, I have in front of me, I mean, as we're talking about this, when we were getting ready for this, I have my teaching notes yeah. that I made for the game Automobile by Martin Wallace. And I'm, I'm counting the pages real quick. There's four. It's eight or nine pages. On how uh, on my script, I so call it's basically it its own little rule book. Yeah, yeah, basically. But I mean, here's the thing: I think most rule books are laid out terribly to teach a game. Not all, but I think the majority of them are terrible. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I think that's where we. And I look, I, I'm not trying to to, to dictate where what directions we go here, but. I think we ought to talk about how we think about how teaching, and I think that forms then the natural flow of how to teach the game. Regardless, no, I was actually going to go there too. Like, did you believe there's an order that things should be taught in? A hundred percent, in general, in yes. those sorts of things. And I feel real strongly about it. I really, really do. Do you? All right. What is what is your order of choice? All right. Um, okay. So first off. Uh, <laughs> So theme shmeme in a lot of cases, right? A lot of times theme is pasted on, especially in heavy euros or whatever. But themes, or as uh, Martin Fowler likes to tell me, you know, it, it's less about the theme. It's more the setting that the game takes place. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes okay. sense. Okay. All right. So uh, having like an, uh, just a, a theme or, or a setting of the game. And a lot of times that's going to be in the first paragraph or first page of the rule book. And a lot of times it talks about something theoretical that you're like, at no point do, do I feel like I'm doing any of this. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll make jokes about it during that intro. But anyway, so you have a, a, a theme or a setting there. Then from there, I think it's important to go over the components. Now, I'm not talking about every single thing possible, but what I do is... I'll look at the the main board, for instance, right? Okay, you got a victory point track around the outside, around the outside, around the M and M reference for those that are slow on that. And then talk about the the major areas of the board, like what is it you're looking at here? Okay, there's that, cool. Then you know if there's a player tableau, talk about the the main parts of your player tableau or whatever it may be from there, and just kind of highlight those and just kind of give a little tiny nugget of context as to what this stuff is. And if it's 
something mm-hmm. that doesn't play a big part, I'll be like, oh, and you have these things that are off screen or whatever, and move on from there. After you've laid out all the components, I th- again, this is all my opinion. This is the way I think about this, is do an overview. And the, in a perfect world, the overview is 60 seconds or less, maybe, to where, okay, the goal of the game is victory points, and you're going to attain those victory points by doing A, B, C, and D. And to be able to get those victory points, A, B, C, and D, you're going to be building this, or you're going to be doing that, or you're playing these cards, you're acquiring this deck, whatever it may be. Do it Again, an overview to give everybody some sort of context as to, okay, I'm trying to score points. Got it. How am I, how am I scoring points? Okay. In the game Quebec or Quebec, you are, you know, placing cubes out here and then there's going to be scoring zones, zones of power. You're going to be wanting your cubes out there. Okay. How do I get them? And then you kind of working backwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and that's the big thing with the overview is, okay, what is it we're trying to do here? Okay, cool. Sometimes that can go maybe up to two minutes, which I try not to do. But again, like a one minute overview. And then from there, okay, the game takes place over so many rounds. Maybe there's 10 rounds in a game or there's four rounds or four years or whatever. And every and then from there, I like breaking it down to, okay, one, the active player takes their entire turn. And then after they have done all of these steps, play moves over to the next player or the game moves over to the next player or they do step A. And then the next player does step A. And because I think that's important for context here to be able to have an idea of, okay, is one person doing their whole thing? Again, we're still kind of talking overview a little bit. Then from there, then it's, all right, so now you get the gist of what it is we're doing. Okay, within that round, there are eight steps that you're going to follow here. Mm -hmm. And in those eight steps, Break it down from there and literally go through and, okay, in step A, you're, or, you know, maybe you skip step A in the first round, we'll come back to it. Da, da, da. And then you go over everything in detail. Now, when I say in detail, what I don't think you should be doing is talking about edge cases or whatever. You can cover that either at the end or, or when these things come up. Because there are, again, edge case reasons for edge cases. After you go through all the available actions or the steps in a turn, um, then you talk about uh, you talk about end game scoring or end of round scoring. Okay, hey, end of round, cool. You do that four times, then you go into the end of game scoring. End of game is this, 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 this. Whoever has the most points wins. That's how you play game Q. The end. So basically, big to little. So basically you have like a little sandwich where you, um, you know, you start with what the point of the game is and the goal. You walk through a little bit and then you restate the point, the end goal, so that the, the listener gets it twice. I actually think that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> so there's also one thing I try to pitch early in a teach. Um, and when I forget to do it, I get really mad at myself. So I've, I've really worked on that over time, which is, and I, I can never find it in the right spot in the rule book either, which is when does the game end? When is it over? How does the timer work? Is it a certain number of rounds? Is it when this deck runs out of cards? 
Uh, is there another end condition? Because I sort of feel like people can be playing along really happily and then the game ends all of a sudden and it's upsetting because they didn't realize they had to time for the ending because no one said anything. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's why the layout of a rule book, it's really hard. I, I don't know if you've had any experience whatsoever writing a rule book. I have in a way that I have seen it being done and have given feedback on it. I've never had to mm -hmm. write a rule book and I, it is a miserable experience. Um, Oh God. It's, it's horrible. And I, too many rule like the kind of like what you said, tell me how the game ends or what I tell me that early, not at the end of the rule book. Tell. And so that's right. why you look at the rule book again, using automobile as an example, I have an eight or nine page outline for how to teach the game, but this is how to teach it, not how to reference the rules. You know what I mean? I feel like those right. are two yeah. very different things. It's totally different skill sets. It's like being able to do something in class versus being good at taking a test. It's not, it's like you have to know some of the same stuff, but it's not actually the same skill set. Yeah, and I actually really agree with you about order, too. You're mentioning, like, components. So I always feel weird doing this, but I choose to do setup before I do much else. And I think the reason I do that is because I want... It's it's not so much, like, components, like, oh, let's make sure there's the right number of cubes. There's a thousand of them in here. But it's more like, um, you know, doing the setup is getting familiar with the components. It's getting your tour of the board. It's getting your tour of your tableau, your little player board, if that's what you have. And so setup is really important before you really go further, because you can't give somebody the point of anything if they have no context at all. It's like bringing somebody into a room and then saying, this is the room where we do X. They have to see the room first. I agree. And so many rule books, this is, this is another, like, I feel like this is uh, a, a half how we teach half why rule books are terrible usually. Uh, a lot of rule books don't give pictures of what components are. And that's why yeah. when, I, when I'm watching, for instance, one of your videos, which I use for to get ready to learn a game for the first time, uh, I, I use your stuff. And I, a lot of times they're like, uh, a DECA, there are 20 of this card and 36 of this card, and I have no reference as to, so I'm like, I have no idea. So when you're when we're going over the components early on, whether it's in yours or mine, I think it's important to be like, OK, these and you point out like these are that. And it, again, it's it's setting the stage and getting you familiar with what it is that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. And I think that's so vitally important, completely important. Yeah, I think it's really hard to just jump into a game like and I, I really appreciate it when people set games up for me. I think it's wonderful. At the same time, if I'm not there for setup, I actually sometimes feel like I've missed something. Um, I feel a lot better when I see how the machine gets put together before we wreck it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think you're right. Then you start with. So I actually really love to use theme as a way to explain things whenever possible. I'm bad about so, that. And I envy you in that regard, because I. I talk purely from a me uh, mechanical standpoint or a mechanism standpoint and, and the actual actions of it. And I'm not good about that. 
So I, I think you do that really well. And I think that actually helps people learn in a lot of time, a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I really, I enjoy trying to tie things to theme. Of course, that means that less thematic games are a little harder, but um, anything that you can make into some sort of narrative or story, I personally find easier to remember. And I find that my students do better with it too. Like, you know, teaching Latin, I don't teach my students like, here's a list of words you need to learn. And then here's how to conjugate and decline them. And you need to memorize these charts. I teach them um, like stories. So they get obsessed with what's happening in the story. And then they learn the Latin and they didn't even realize that that's what they did. And so like, I like to Jedi mind trick people as much as possible into learning things. And so I really try not to make it too technical. And I think that there are people who would like a more technical explanation, but that's also why, like, I think, you know, sometimes I look at a game and I'm like, wow, there's so many playthroughs for it out here. Should I make another one? And I think the answer is actually almost always yes. If you can do a good, clean tutorial for something, because somebody will learn from you better than they could learn from somebody else, even if that other person is bigger or fancier or. 100% you know. agree with that. And on the, I, I feel like that part of teaching is more art than it is left brain, right brain. I've always said I'm very right brain to where it's very, you know, mathematical, very, you know, just, I'm, I'm not good at art. And I think that's why I'm not really good at teaching games from a thematic standpoint and tying those things in. It's very much a more, because this is the stuff that works for me, but I think it's, I think it's harder to do it that way, tying it in with theme, and it's just not what makes sense to me. So I think it's amazing if you're able to do it. I'm just not able to do it. Yeah, and I think we all have different roles as teachers, too. Like, I see what I'm doing, not so much so, like, you mentioned edge cases and stuff, right? I actually sort of feel like there is no video that is going to teach you the deep technicalities of every rule in the rulebook, especially as the game gets heavier. It's just not possible. There are going to be things that you have to figure out on your own or by going on a board game geek or, you know, like there's a whole mage night Facebook group exactly for this reason, because people just find stuff in that game that it's like, wait, what? <laughs> but I, I think that my, my job as the teacher is to make sure the person leaves with an understanding of the flow and like the system of the game, as opposed to, you know, I try not to bother myself at night, like lying awake with, frustration about like very technical rules errors that I made because for me the point of the teach is to make it so that the person who watched it has a sense of flow so they can go back to the rule book and understand why things are where and feel a sense of familiarity when they see a certain term or you know just get a sense of like how to proceed through the game as opposed to exactly what you know to do in this one case I I think you and I have the same end goal, even if we kind of frame it a little bit differently. My job is not necessarily to make you not have to ever open the rule book. That's not what I'm trying right. to do. And I think there are people out there that, that try and do that. I try and get everything as perfect as possible. But what my goal is, is to familiarize the viewer with the game and get a good feel for, like you said, the flow of the game. But then when they open the rule book, everything feels familiar. Everything they're like, okay, all this makes sense. And now I can understand. Whereas if I just read that, 
and not seen it, what, huh? How does that work? And having seen it, oh, okay, yeah, that just makes it a whole lot easier. And just lowering the barrier to entry is kind of how I see it. Yes, exactly. And like, I mean, the fact is that no human can be a whole rule book. Even Rodney tells you that he's going to let you go figure something out for yourself. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that can be frustrating because, you know, actually, it's it's one of the things that I, I deal with with teenage learners a lot. I think that we're not always trained to accept teaching as something that is incomplete. Um, a lot of my students see learning as very transactional, and that's something that I fight in my classroom. It's very much like, I will regurgitate the facts to you, you will give me an A, and then I can consider myself to have learned the thing, and that's school, right? But it's not. That is not school. Um, school is where I give the student the tools and then try to push them where they can do things on their own. And I think that you know, those ideas about teaching, like what we want to receive from a teacher versus what a teacher can or should actually give. I think that those expectations don't always match up. I, <laughs> this last weekend, uh, I was up in Maine camping and uh, we stopped in a little uh, town outside of Acadia National Forest called Bar Harbor. And there was a bumper sticker in one of the stores there that I feel like kind of hits home with what you just said. Like uh, a teacher's job is to, Teach people how to think, not what to think. Yes. Give them the tools in which to be able to, like, just because I'm teaching you A through Q doesn't mean there aren't a thousand other things. I'm just showing you how to do it. Now go forth and do. I think that's yeah. really, really a, a good point. And that's kind of, I mean, not to get super philosophical and deep, like we're trying to cure cancer here, but we're just talking teaching board games. But I think... The idea behind it is, okay, there's a certain flow, there's a certain pacing to it, and use this as a jumping off point from which to then go expand your horizon. Yeah, and I think it's even more true in gaming than it is in other types of things that you could learn. Like, you know, maybe math... I mean, no, even math requires a certain level of creativity, right? Like, it's like, that's the that's the reason why you understand the example problem in the textbook, and then you go to your homework, and you're like, what the... Uh, I don't know what to do. Because, it, you know, there's a difference between understanding the example and knowing what to do when you get the problem yourself. Um, there's certainly classes I had that were more fact-based. But, like, board games, because it's a generated experience that's different every time with yourself or with other people, you know, there is no way to encounter everything in one video. So you have to choose the things that matter the most. So my question is, so what do you cut? Like if you, I mean, do you try to fit an entire rule book into your explanation for the rules or are there things that you cut? Huh? That's a really good question. And I can't help but think of co-early games when you bring stuff up like this or, or, or Phil Eklund type games to where, okay, I just, there are things, yeah, there, there, there are, there's minutiae. A lot of the minutiae mm -hmm. is what gets cut out. Now, I have the benefit that whenever we are teaching games on camera, we follow it up with a playthrough immediate after, immediately after. Whereas a lot of times, you know, you're talking Rodney Smith from Watch It Played or Paul Grogan or, um, and I think John from John Gets Games does this as well, to, that following it up with, okay, look, I just taught you how to play it theoretically. 
but being able to now cement those things in your head by seeing them in action. Oh, okay. Now that Mm -hmm. makes sense because in this kind of circles back to the whole co-worldly thing. Cool. I just read the rule book and I understand what I can do. I just have no idea why the hell I'm trying to do or why I'm doing the things that I'm allowed to do. Uh, Trying to understand the why I'm I'm doing these things Mm -hmm. that that's where I think it can be really difficult. And that's where the finesse of the difference between teaching somebody and reading a rule book. And so it's the minutia. I can't help but think of a game like Bios Origins. When I first saw this game and I saw the, um, just all the various actions that you can take. I, Rosetta Stone. There you go. Uh, when I first saw the Rosetta Stone in that game, I looked at this and I was like, how the hell am I ever going to be able to teach this game? Like, I may have just bit off more than I can chew. Like, I can't believe I'm going to teach this. And then I was like, wait a minute. Oh, okay. In any given moment, you might have four of those as a given option. Oh, okay. I don't have 60 different things that I can do. Okay. So in that case, a lot of times when I'm doing teaches like that, I'll gloss over something and be like, okay, you have these eight options. We're going to cover those when we do the playthrough. And when somebody does one of those actions for the first time, we'll explain what it does. And that helps truncate things, but also doesn't get the viewer, listener, whatever, the person trying to learn it just to where it all becomes like, okay, excuse me, my brain's full. Can I be excused type thing? So the minutia, I guess, that is a really, really long way to say it. So that's also what I cut. I will cut minutia. Um, The other thing is interesting is I I think one thing that's interesting about your teaching that's different from mine is that you do tend to kind of get the rules out first. Um, whereas I kind of do a mishmash and I think this is like a privilege that I have as a solo player, um, which is that I can explain as I go because there is no one else that I have to account for during my playthroughs. So, you know, I'll be like, okay, it's my turn. Here are the options that I have. I think I'm going to do this for X, Y, Z reasons. And I try and really hard to like give my reasoning, which is something that you also do. And that I really appreciate about your teaching, because if I don't know why somebody's doing something, I'm okay, I'm going to put this cube in and take three of another color. Like, awesome. But I don't know why you did that. (laughs) Um, But then I'll do the AI separately. So it'll be like, oh, it's time to talk about, you know, the opponent's turn. And here's what you do for that. If this, then that. If this, then this other thing. Um, You know, I actually will kind of splice teaching and play together and try to talk about why things are happening as they happen. And it's messy, I guess. But um, I I think that for me, that's what I need when I'm learning something. So I I think I try, I think we do it in essence, try to give other people what we need as learners because we're trying to be helpful. (laughs) I think you're right. And the funny thing is, is when I do solo playthroughs, I do it the exact same way you do. That I, because I can't teach to an empty room. It just, it doesn't feel natural to me and it just would feel forced and just no. I just don't want to. So I'll give an overview and then I'm like, okay, let's start. And then we're going to kind of fumble our way through it. That's how I do. That's a lot of times how I do 
solo playthroughs. Um, but when it comes to the, you're talking about thinking out loud, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I have a group of, of folks that are willing to do that as well to where obviously we're all trying to win. We're all, you know, trying to play our best, which doesn't usually happen, but we try. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're just trying to almost be as good as Jess. Is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And usually failing majestically. And so, but that we all feel a responsibility to talk about the why. Yeah. You know, even though it's, it, there, there are moments where for competitive reasons, we will maybe reserve why we're doing something and be like, I'll explain that here in two turns, why it is I'm doing this. But we try and like, and, and, and Martin is amazing at this, especially in like when we do our playthroughs of Age of Steam, why he's thinking or why he's doing this because he's thinking about this, 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 and this. And we all have a gentleman's or gentlewoman's uh, agreement at the table to where this kind of table talk, we're not really going to use against one another because we Mm -hmm. have an understanding that, yes, we are trying to win the game. We're trying to play really well, but our job is to teach the game and show it in a way that makes sense and, and helps people ease into the game on their own. And so right. it's less about being cutthroat and bloodthirsty, although there is plenty of that, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it, it it's it's about, like you said, thinking out loud and being able to convey the why. Yeah, I think it's that 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 comment though actually leads into a totally different line of questioning. I think people love to talk about this always, so we'll we'll hit this this standard waystone on the road of talking about teaching, which is um, how do you handle um, teaching games to new players without crushing them? So for me, it's different depending on who I'm teaching. If I'm teaching kids at game club, I definitely explicitly tell them how to destroy me because. They like to take down their teachers. There's something satisfying about that for them. It's different. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, we know I can whoop them at anything. So, So, you know, if it's people I don't feel competitive with on a real level, does that make sense? Like there's always a power differential between a teacher and a student. So I don't play against my students to win. Like even today we played like a stupid, like, uh, by stupid, I mean fun in a stupid way. There's right. this like website called Blook It. We can play a game called Gold Quest. You're basically just telling me what vocabulary words mean. But you can steal gold from other people, and you can take 25% from somebody. You can swap your fortune with somebody else. And what I'll do is I'll rack up a bunch of money, and then I'll find somebody who looks like they're struggling a little bit, and then I'll swap with them. So I will take less money and then give them like $2 million or whatever, you know, in the game. And so it's like a benevolent swap. But that's because I wrote those questions. I know that Latin in my sleep. Like, it's not fair to play to win in that regard. Does that make sense? It does. I just, oh, that is that is such a slippery slope. And that is so. Yeah. Um, so we have a we have an ongoing thing uh, for like whenever we play these games, like hashtag bad teacher. Uh, so if the te- <laughs> whoever taught the game, usually me, uh, if if I win then hashtag bad teacher, right? Terror or, hey, amazing <laughs> yeah. teacher. I finished, you know, fifth in a four-player game. Awesome. 
I did my job then, right? However, I don't, I mean, I get from your standpoint, I get that, but I never, ever, 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 ever will take it easy on somebody. Yeah. Um, because I want them. Now, if there are games that have massive experiential differences, like yeah. if somebody that has played a game 50 times has a massive insurmountable edge over somebody that's on their first or second game, I guess that's a different animal. But usually I'm going up against extraordinarily smart people. I don't have, I'm not often gaming with people that are new to the hobby. I'm not gaming with kids. I'm not, it, that's just not my experience. And yeah. so, no, I don't ever take it easy. And if I, a lot of times uh, in, in games, the first time, for instance, we're talking about Jess, Jess is incredibly smart. She's legitimately the smartest person I know, but it takes her a little bit to process things. Like when mm -hmm. the first time she plays a game, a lot of times I'll win. Not always, but a lot of times. But after that, good luck to you. Because once she, you know, understands it. And so, you know, once it sinks in, I should say. And yeah. so, I mean, I'm playing with people with PhDs, double doctorates and all. Like, I don't need to take it easy on anybody. I'm the big dumb Marine here. So... Even though I'm the teacher, no, I'm not taking it easy on anybody. But at the same time, if they play the game well, then I feel like I did my job. Then yeah. I conveyed. And I, I hate those people that will hold a rule back or, no, God, no, that's not, no. I want to win because I... Because I, you won. Because yeah. I, it's a competition decision-making. If I made better decisions than you, then I should win. Cool. That's good. I don't want to win because, oh, you didn't know this rule or because you're remote and you didn't see right. this piece being available. That's why a lot of times we're like, hey, don't forget this is available to you. That Because I want to beat you because I beat you, not because, oh, shoot, I forgot X, Y, or Z. So, right. yeah. Well, I agree with that, too. Like, when I'm playing other adults, like, if you and I were playing, I don't know, I sort of feel like it'd be fun just to, you just get into it for the thrill of the fight, right? Like, the, there is... The, the pleasure of playing a very competitive board game with other very competitive people, you know, is getting into it about the board game. Like, that's the, the point. Right. It, <laughs> it's, it's about the journey and less about the victory. It's about the, the yeah. trying to beat each other's brains in, but in a good way. And I don't care if I win or lose. I, I couldn't tell you what games I've won, what games I've lost. Um, I want to I have equated board games to a modern day knitting circle. Board games are the conduit in which to be able to get people around the table and have a good time. That's what's yeah. that's what matters, not who wins. But right. But if I did, my but also job, between you and me, like there's not a power differential between us. You know what I mean? Like we would be playing as friends who are in it to have a good time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I'm playing with students, I'm a little gentler just because that trust is still being built, and you can really hurt them. Also, um, I don't know my grandfather. So I love. I love Pops. He's a wonderful person. I adore him. However, um, he is not a good teacher. And he taught me how to play chess. And, and his method you. of teaching me to play chess was to just beat my ass at chess every night for like a month. While I was with my grandparents. And he would kind of give advice sometimes. But he didn't know how to walk it back enough steps for me to understand what the hell he meant. So I didn't like know 
I, I didn't understand how to put his advice into action, if that made sense. And so it, I just felt stupid and frustrated all summer. But what's so terrible is that so Pops made me, a, he's a woodworker. He made me a chessboard. It's my favorite thing I own. People will probably fight over it when I die. And he built drawers in it that house the pieces he taught me to play with. It was like this really beautiful Christmas gift. And That's of course awesome. I broke it in with him. And I felt this like fear when we were about to play. And it, I won like, and that was actually worse than losing every night for a month because like what are you supposed to do when your hero can't just smack you like a little bug anymore and see and uh, see, <laughs> oh I, it broke my heart to win <laughs> i i kind of agree with your grandpa in a lot of ways <laughs> that however but i i also agree with you i think there's a happy medium to where yeah i think uh, to where i want when you win I want you to know you won and you earned it. And that feels good, yeah. hopefully, right? But I yeah. I don't want to, you know, keep you, you know, uh, my, my, my foot on your neck and just rally. No, I want to give you the tools in which right. you can beat me. And so kind of like what you had said, okay, give advice and give it context. Give reason, you know, to where it makes sense. Oh, do you understand why that would have been the better move? Oh, okay. Yeah. I get that. But I, I'm still going to whoop your ass. <laughs> and I'm okay yeah. with that. I think that I think there's a happy medium there to where then it becomes a, hey, you beat me? Good job. You earned it. Oh, I'm going to get you next time. But you earned this one. And I think there's that, I don't know. I I think that no, that goes back to games. the way we were raised, maybe. I I mean, now we're getting way deep, but. No, I think that that's true. Like, ever, I think a lot of people's true personality comes out when they play games. Um, that's that's why people are sore losers and act out at the table. It's also why people are a little too nice. It's why people play Kingmaker and they, or why people sink a whole game when they're pissed off that they're not going to win, right? Like, it tells you a lot about a person and the, the level of pettiness that they have. <laughs> uh, but I think that all games, like, have to have the right amount of tension is the other thing. It's like, you have to balance it so that it feels like a struggle because it's not fun to win if it's not a struggle, which is why, you know, because I am sort of at my peak and my grandfather is not the intellectual monster he was when I was a child, it really hurt to play that chess game because it wasn't the showdown that we would have wanted either of us. Does that make sense? Yes, I totally get um, that. You want a fair fight. You Yes. Yeah. It has to be like, uh, and this is a game theory thing too, right? Uh, you know, solo gamers like to lose, but you have to feel like you could win. You have to feel like if you just played a little bit better next time, you would, you could get it. You could get it. And if you don't have that feeling, then the game is not satisfying. If it's too easy, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever, next. And if it's too hard, you're like, well, f this. Like, How this am I ever fun. going to be able to accomplish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think that creating an artificial track for new learners is i mean if you're playing with people who play games all the time and they, they're hardcore a lot of this goes out the window See, if you're and, with and that's the world newer, i inhabit so yeah. so take what i say with a grain of salt right because that is my life experience yeah oh yeah learn a game best what is your favorite way of learning hmm. uh 
there are two different ways I can ex- uh, I can answer that. Do you mean like, okay, hey, I just got this new game. It's in shrink. How do I learn it from that standpoint? Or is it, hey, I'm going to game day type thing. And somebody's like, hey, I have this game. I know how to teach it. Okay, go for it. Like, there, so, I, I feel like those are two very different experiences. They are. So we're going to go have to go with the former because, honestly, I love being taught games. It's like cheating. It feels so good. Oh, God. It's I love what so nice teach me. It's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> However. It's one rule book I don't have to read for the first time by myself. But it has to be a good teacher. There are certain people I trust and certain people I really do not. <laughs> I don't care. Even if, it, even if I was teaching me, one thing I have learned, trust but verify. Yeah. Uh, because there have been times where I have taught a game and it's a very subtle change, but ooh, did I get something wrong? Completely changes things. So, <laughs> yeah, just because you're taught something, whether it's even from Liz or myself or Rodney, I, trust but verify. Doesn't matter. Go through the rule book yourself. Yeah. Trust me on that. Um, oh, yeah. But how do I like to, okay, like I just got this new game. Like, for instance, yeah. Voidfall just arrived in the mail. I have a prototype. We're going to be doing a playthrough of it uh, from Mind Clash. And I intentionally right now know nothing about it in a sense that I don't know how to play it at all. Okay. I know very, very little about it. But that's because that's how I want to come into this. Right. I want to learn it fresh. So, but let's not talk about prototype because... That's its own ball of oh, wax. I have so many opinions about un- half-baked rule books. Yeah, and, uh, uh, just, ooh, which it's is a different the, animal. The the life that we we lead. Anyway, I digress. Your typical just ooh, I just got this new game in the mail, or I picked this up, whatever it may be. All right, pop the shrink, open it up. All right, cool. All right, let's get to work. So, what I do first and foremost is I open it up, and I really, really, really hope. That the first page, maybe when you either on the on the cover or the first page when you open it up, it has all the components n- labeled and with a picture. Oh, that makes me so happy! If so, then I punch yes. a, then I punch everything out and keep it into stacks that I think it will be, and I'll lay out the board and I'll 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 punch everything out, and then. I set the game up without even reading the rule book yet. I set the game up. Ooh. I completely set the game up, whether it's, you know, whatever the rule book is set up for. If it's three player, four player, whatever it may be. I set it up just to be able to kind of take it in. I want to look at it. That's a great it, idea. I look at it just, okay, how does this look at the table? Okay, got it. You know, there's usually there's, you know, the the... There's the, you know, theme or setting of the game. Then you open it up and it has the components listed and and pictures in a perfect world. And then the next page, you flip the page again and there's the setup, right? So, okay, there's a whole lot of flipping between those two pages. What is that component that's telling me? Okay, cool. I set that up. I do that. Okay. So I set the game up completely and then I pause and I just really take everything in. I look at it just to kind of get a feel for what it this sounds so stupid but let the game kind of speak to me like what is it trying to show me what is it trying to say and just get a good feel for the game there yeah and then from there 
then I go through and I don't move a piece. I don't do anything. I read the whole book. Um, I, I usually now war games being its own animal. Let's not yeah. go there. We're talking your standard, you know, me, medium or heavy Euro. That's what I do. Then I go back to the beginning of the rule book of the, the call it the actual rules. What can you do on a turn? And then I simulate, you know, taking actions and I physically move pieces around the board and get familiar with it. And okay. I still don't necessarily understand the why, but I'm just, as we like to say, pulling levers. And I do that for a while until things click. And then once everything makes sense to me, like, oh, that's what this sentence meant. Oh, I could do this. I can move it there. Um, And sometimes I get stuck. Like, I cannot wrap my head around this. And then I'll... A lot of times I am fortunate enough to have the ability to reach out to a publisher, developer, designer, whatever, and be like, hey, yeah. I don't get this. Or or a lot of times, um, you know, there's little to no videos out there if this is, mm-hmm. you know, the latest, greatest. So I can't watch a video. But if there is, sometimes I'll, 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 I'll look at one of those or a couple of those. Um, but that's kind of the gist. And once everything makes sense to me, then I'm like, okay, and then, okay, then we'll go ahead and bust this out at a game day or whatever, and we'll kind of fumble our way through it a little bit, but at least now I'm familiar with it, and and that's that's how I learn best. I feel like it's that's such a good idea to actually set it up first, so I'm the opposite, and I don't know if that's as good, so I'll read the rule book before I do anything. Like, I just don't even bother to punch anything. I just, like, read the rule book, think about it for a little bit, then I punch it. Then I set it up. Then I read the rule book again, because I like that double read, and then if I still don't get it, I watch a video. For me, the I, I don't know how people, like, I hear about these people that, like, I had a spiel, <laughs> will read 20 rule books. I can't read a rule book without the components in front of me. I cannot do it because I am very tactile. And this yeah. is why I don't really like TTS and, and uh, Tabletop Simulator and, no. and whatever, because I need to have the physical thing in front of me to be able to... I Board games are a tactical thing or a, a tactile thing to me. Both. Why not both? <laughs> and I can't, I can't, I can't just read a rule book because it's just, I, I'm, I'm missing a, a, a layer of context that... I just, I, I fail at, I, that's why, um, a lot of publishers, like for instance, let's talk about Voidfall for a minute. So Voidfall, they were like, Hey, I emailed you over the rules. I'm like, cool. Thanks. I haven't opened them. I haven't looked at it because it's going to be gibberish to me. It might as well be in Latin or Greek until I have the physical game in front of me to be able to adjust. That's just the way I learn. It's just me. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I enjoy navel gazing and thinking about things in theory. Uh, so, you know, that would be probably why I enjoy reading the rule book. But it's also, you know, I, I'm part, part of it for me, too, is that I have to learn games crammed into my day job. So I can't carry a whole game with me to work, but I can carry the rule book. So I think I've also developed this strategy specifically because I often have to encounter a game through the rule book first because I'm trying to make the most of the time I have to devote to games. 
And so it might be like, oh gosh, it's almost bedtime. I don't want to leave this setup in this room because the cats or, you know, I just, you know, I, um, I want to, you know, be out in the living room with my boyfriend, but I also want to think about this game. And so that leads to rule book in it. If that makes sense. Oh, totally. And I, I understand <laughs> that I feel like I'm the exception to the rule because I know there are a lot of people out there that will just lay in bed and like read rule books and stuff. I won't do that. If, if I need that context or that fix, if you will, yeah. Um, it's possible that maybe there's a video out there that is already yeah. done on it. You know, if this isn't the, you know, the, the bleeding edge of the latest, greatest hotness, um, there, there are times to where, uh, for instance, like uh, John from John Gets Games, uh, mm -hmm. we'll both be working with a publisher. Like they want his edited version and they want my playthrough. Well, there are right. times that because his is edited and everything, he'll get a prototype first. And so then he'll send me the prototype so I can get it ready for the playthrough. And he'll be like, hey, here, he'll send me the link to his video, even though it's not yet it's not yeah. you know available this way hey i struggled in this or there are times to where i'll be like hey you know if it goes in the other direction which doesn't happen often but if i get if he comes to a game after i do he's like hey i'll watch your playthrough or i'll watch your rules teaching to help give context to what it is i'm about to read so a lot of times yeah. i'll watch a video before i will read a rule book on my own it's just without the components laying out in front of me yeah, what I will say though is, I, I think this is maybe true for everybody. No game for me ever truly clicks until I'm really doing it. Yeah. I can prepare as much as I want. It's like it's like deciding whether you're going to tow your way into the pool, go down the steps, or if you're going to jump in the pool. You know what I mean? Like, But, you know, you cannot adjust to the water temperature without getting in that pool, swimming around. You know, it's just never going to happen. Like, you have to choose how you're going to do it, but... You know, I um I, I cannot fully enjoy or appreciate a game if I have not seen it, felt it in action. So everything else is always just preparation. How do you choose to prepare? I remember thinking that some games, after having gone over a rule book, even from you know having the the game laid out in the table in front of me, thinking, eh, right or yeah or whatnot in when it's actually in play and things are moving. Oh, oh, now I get that makes so wow. That is okay. That's cool. I dig that. Yeah. Those mo like you just, yeah, that's where that experience in that, that aha moment. Um, those moments happen absolutely on my end as well. When I'm learning a game and getting ready to, to teach it for, to folks and, the yeah. the thing that I will say that I the the two things that I hate the most at game day in general, like off camera game day, is one playing the what are we going to play game. And then after we have played that game successfully and figured out what game we're gonna play, uh anybody know how to play it? Okay. <laughs> Open up the rule book. Oh, that is painful. Oh, <laughs> I hate doing that. Oh, so much. So we've gotten away from that. To where hopefully uh, people can reference, you know, either yours or my or whoever's uh, playthroughs or, 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 or teaching video that has helped them get them ready for it or yeah. read the rule book ahead of time, come together and be like, okay, we've all gone through the rule book. Now let's fumble our way through the game. 
that's much, much perfect. Okay, here's a question for you. How, how many, how well do you personally have to know a game in terms of time spent, maybe games played before you feel comfortable teaching it? Depends on the weight of the game. Okay, yeah, that's fair. For a heavy one, how how far do you push before you decide, all right, I can teach this, let's uh, see what happens. Feudum took me 17 hours. <laughs> now, that is the extreme end of things. Yeah. Okay, obviously, I, I use that as a, as a, as a running... Not joke, but it's and it's funny. Um, Mark Swanson, the uh, designer and developer and publisher of it, he his response to my teaching was, "You were very thorough," and I was like, "That's a compliment, I guess." I was like, "That's what you paid me to be." Like, thanks. I think, yeah. Um. So yeah, I uh. I don't know. It depends. There are there are games to where I think are going to be more difficult than they are to yeah. teach and kind of find out, oh, I thought we were going to need to play this three, four times before really being able to have a handle on that and kind of find out, nope, just once. We're good. I'm good to go with that. And there are others that sometimes work the other way. There are games that I am terrified of teaching. Uh, and usually there is no Euro that I'm ever going to be scared of. The only mm -hmm. games that intimidate me, I will say, are war games. Looking at you, D-Day yeah. at Omaha Beach. Um, Empire of the Sun. Mark Herman. It's funny. I, I was at Mark Herman's summer house on the Cape. Jess and I were. <laughs> and he was like, I can teach you how to play Empire of the Sun in 15 minutes. And I was like, go. Let's see. And he's like, well, here was a good overview. And I was like, well, if you ever want to come to the studio and do that. like Anyway, um, but yeah, a D-Day at Omaha Beach. I'm terrified of doing a how to play on, on that. That Oh, God. Um, but war games scare me. But Euros don't at all. Phil Eklund, like Bios Origins, I told you I was horribly intimidated by. Um, High Frontier. I didn't even know how I was going. And thankfully I had resident experts to, to that were excited about that. And I was like, here, why reinvent the wheel? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think, I thought there was a game. Uh, Oath, I think was probably the most recent one. Now, I was going to teach it, but one I, I wanted to offer that to one of the uh, folks in our group. And the reason I offered it to Ken to offer it uh, for him to be able to teach it on stream was he taught it to us when we were or no, he taught it to one of the players that was new. It doesn't matter. And he went through it. And I like I already knew the game and the way he did it. I was like, wow, that was really well done. Like do you want to go ahead and teach it on stream? If you're comfortable, do it. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'm trying to think what game there was a, there was a game recently other than oath that I was like, Oh, we're going to need a few plays of that before I'm comfortable teaching that on screen. And it, so it definitely varies. 
The, yeah. the heavier the game, the more I probably want more than one play of. But there are times to where, and by a play, I mean not talking about my initial setup and my, you know, messing around with everything by myself. Right. Uh, one playthrough with multiple players. That's a minimum. Unless it's like a thinky filler, then sometimes we're just like, we can just, just do it and we're fine. That's rare, but on occasion that, that will be the case. But there are some times that as many as, I don't know, I'd say three plays is probably the most I've ever needed of a game to, yeah. to, to feel, again, with the exception of war games. War games are their own animal. <laughs> I've always said that there should be two BGG weight ratings, one for war games and one for everything else. <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I think I do require fewer playthroughs to feel ready to teach than I do to feel ready to review. So I chew on my games for a really long time, but it's mostly because I'm planning to review them. And that's a different thing that requires a lot more plays. 100% and a lot more experience. agree with that. I won't feel, I mean, half a dozen, maybe, you know? Yeah, at least, I, if it's unless it's huge, I will go for ten. You're ambitious, but uh, for me, I I a bare minimum is probably four to be able to review yeah. a game. It depends how much emergent gameplay there is. If there's not a yeah. lot of emergent gameplay, then I feel like I've probably explored all the space. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't see different things happen in different ways, but I've seen what the game, you know, is is trying to do after right. a handful of plays there are others that i'm never going to it's a very 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 short list of games that i'm ever going to get to 10 plays of it's just not going to happen dominant species age of steam power grid various maybe 18xx titles here or there yeah probably automobile over the last five years but it's just not it's not feasible so four or five plays review it done well i'm also like super slow with my output that would be that would be why <laughs> but it's also your hobby not your job so yeah. that, i mean to be understand uh, understandable oh yeah that, right it's true one last question that's a little tougher before we go into the kind of softball outro stuff which is uh who is your favorite YouTuber to learn games from who is not you? I mean, you're talking about my peers, right? Um, I have listened or watched or any of those things. Pretty much everybody that has ever done this, I would say. I mean, yeah. depending on the game, because you look at somebody like, obviously, you know, you look at Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, right? But he and I don't have a whole lot of crossover, and it's just no. There's just not a lot there. Um, gaming rules. So Paul Grogan, uh, John yeah. from John Gets Games. Um, you, depend if it's a solo game, uh, I've used your stuff before you play. Uh, I've seen Ant Labs. I, all of these various people. Um, and then some off the beaten path. Uh, I found one uh, when I was learning Cloud Age or Cloud Age or whatever. Uh, Nithranya. I thought he's a non-native English speaker, but did an amazing job on that. So I've used or have watched everybody, I think, out there. However, if I have to give credit, and I think we all owe 
uh, something to. Uh, that would be for learning Demacher, for learning Reef Encounter, for learning a host of older games that then help me figure out my teaching style. Far and away, Scott Nicholson. Not even close. Ooh, yes. That is a great answer. And that's the truth. Um, a, he's just an awesome person. Like, he is just a good human. But his enthusiasm and the way he makes teaching fun and yeah. just, yeah. Without his videos, none of us would be doing what it is that we're doing with this stuff. And I like to think that I, in a lot of ways, without intentionally doing so, I feel like I've kind of was inspired most probably by Scott. And I think uh, even though I'm, I'm less fun and less, I don't know, he has a pizzazz that, that I could never hope to, but, but <laughs> yeah, Scott is, I mean, he's the OG, and I think that is far and away uh, the person I've used the most legitimately have used his videos to learn more games from. That's awesome. How about yeah, you? I think I'm in a, I think I'm in a similar boat in that I've watched pretty much everybody, partially just out of pure interest, right? I love seeing how other people teach things. I'm nerdy about that, and I also, you know, love seeing other people's experiences of games, and, you know, there's just so many good good you know, tutorial makers out there. Um, but my favorite is also a more sentimental choice because I still really, really love Ricky Royal. I do. Legit love amazing at what he does. I, yeah. I learned Mage Knife from Ricky. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, when uh, when I found out he'd watched my Mage Knife videos and had nice things to say, I was like, <gasps> it was like a big moment for me. <laughs> and I, and I, so I didn't know he became a, I believe he started out by doing reviews and, and how to plays and then became a, a designer. He designed the solo yes. and I'm sure there are others that I'm not thinking of, but the, the thing that really wowed me for Ricky from a design standpoint was uh, he designed the solo uh, mode for uh, Tales of Northland, Sagas and Nag and the Nag, which is a great multiplayer and fantastic solo. So well done there, Ricky. And and thank you for teaching me Mage Knight so I could then fumble my way through it. That is the truth. Yeah, and you know, his um his solo outing, not a solo mode outing, but like a game. Um, you know, I loved Renegade. I don't know what it's gonna be called now. I know that the name is changing, but that was actually the first review I chose to do for Dice Tower because I wanted to appreciate him and his work that's awesome um, i appreciate you know, the little sentimental things that you do like that that's really really cool yeah i mean you have to appreciate the like no none of us would be here without somebody who came up with something before us like that's the other thing so you know to kind of bring the teaching thing full circle right every teacher is taught by another teacher or several and they swap information with other teachers and they appreciate the people who went before them and gave them materials to get them started and I feel like that's also true within gaming. Oh, totally. Um, and I, yeah. I can't remember if I said this tonight or not, was um, John and I, like whenever we see each other at conventions, be like, hey, thanks for whatever game that was. 
uh, thanks for that video because that helped me get ready for mine and vice versa. And I think, and I, there have been times in the past where I've seen this as highly competitive and highly, I don't, whatever you want to, not antagonistic, but competitive. Because let's face it, I mean, it is our living in, in for a lot, uh, not a lot, but a handful of us. And being able to make a living at, at this is, is a huge privilege. But I think I've kind of turned, I, I, I've started to see this more as a, as a community and less as a uh, competitive thing. And I think that's, that's a benefit to everybody when, when we're all being able to do that and help each other. Because in the end, getting more people to play these games gives us more people to play with, which means there are more games being made, which this perpetuates and everyone drives home in a Cadillac. Win-win. <laughs> I'm waiting on my Lambo money. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, and I also think that, you know, probably the most rewarding thing about having a channel, actually one of the reasons I love my podcast so much, is that the people that you meet and bond with as you share the hobby make it, especially for me as a solo gamer, I think, and it's one of the reasons solo guilds and Facebook groups are so big, is it makes it less isolating. Having somebody to share the adventure with um, is a really important part of my enjoyment, and I would not still be doing this without really great people to talk to all the way along. I agree for, for me, if it, I mean, even though sometimes, uh, like when we're streaming, um, obviously a lot of times I have people around the table, but, or if I'm doing something solo, even though it's, that's one nice thing I really enjoy about doing it live is it's not a one-sided conversation. It's being able to, even though, you know, there's nobody on that side of the camera per se. Yeah. You know, it's real time chat and I'm able to interact with folks. And I think that makes it interact with the community. And it's just, it, it's just special and it's, yeah, it's, it's an awesome thing. And I didn't ever really think of myself really as a teacher. I just, you know, I teach games and I do playthroughs and, you know, reviews on the podcast or whatever, but but no, I, I think it's kind of a privilege to be able to be in this position, to be able to do this and be able to help people in a little tiny insignificant way. Like, again, we're not solving curing cancer here. It's board games. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to help uh, other folks. And I'm fortunate to be able to do so. Yeah, I I've sometimes, you know, when you're, like even in my job, like I teach Latin, which some people question the value of the fools. But um, you know, the the really important part of I think being a teacher of anything, right, is how you make the people that you taught feel. And even if you're doing it through video, you know, the people who are watching you have a relationship with you. Um, they like they if they come back, it's because they like the way that you did things and the things that you said and that you taught went on and impacted their evening their time with their friends, um, their, you know, curiosity about the next game to come out and help them develop their taste. And we're all doing that for each other all the time. And I think that that's really special. It's, you know, teaching doesn't bear fruit immediately, but then somebody will come back to you with something that you put out into the universe years ago. And it's like, oh, wow, that was really cool. 
And you realize like how small the world really is because you taught something. It still blows me away that there are people all over the world that, you know, either interact with or, or comment on something that I've created or whatever. And it's just, it's yeah. Or you see a video that you made years ago and somebody, Hey, I really, this really helped or what. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's all, it never gets old. Not ever. No. no. Even when I'm really tired of my day job, this is what sucks me back in every time. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, it, it's, part of what makes this this hobby really really special definitely all right so not that it's much of a mystery but where can we find you online edward uh well the the show heavy <laughs> cardboard um pretty simple there uh at heavy cardboard on twitter um my personal uh, Twitter is at Sir Felix Cat. Uh, that goes back to poker stuff way back in the day. Um, that's mostly just not board game related stuff, but the board game related stuff at Heavy Cardboard, uh, the website, heavycardboard.com, Patreon, whatever, all that stuff. There you go. Nice. And those of you who watch my podcast now or listen to my podcast now, depends, uh, know that I'm everywhere on the internet as Beyond solitaire thank you so much for doing this with me doing this with me edward this is great this was a lot of fun i didn't know what to expect because last week we we had sat and talked about games that we've been playing and this and that and talking about uh how we teach and the teaching and, and what goes into this i think is i think people i hope i hope i have no idea hope uh enjoy getting the curtain pulled back a little bit on what all how this you know how the 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 candy is made so to speak so thank you for being willing to do this as well this was a lot of fun and being able to talk to you is always always welcome liz yep it's true we have fun every time so leave us a comment everybody and happy gaming take care y'all <laughs>